Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Tonight in the service, Pastor David's going to be preaching. You don't want to miss that. Amen. So come back tonight. We're going to have a great time. I, I want to get read one verse of scripture and then we'll get into this this morning. From the book of Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. And we have we've we've talked about this before. Uh, it's been a part of our messages and we've used it um, in, in several different illustrations and ways. But I want to talk about it again from Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2. Jesus said, the harvest truly is great. Somebody say big. It's large. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he would... Send forth labors into his harvest. Amen. Somebody say amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise for his word today. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Mobilize has been our, our theme this year. It has been our Consecration Day's focus. And so today I want to talk to you about another form of being mobilized. I want to talk to you about less than perfect laborers. Somebody say less than perfect laborers. When you look at the word or the thought mobilization, it involves the assembling and the organizing of a military force, its resources, its support in the defense or a strategic objective of that military. In, in the idea of mobilize in the kingdom, it is a call to service. Has anybody felt more of a call in the last few days in this year? We have been focusing on this. We're praying for this. We're praying for this. And amen. It is a call to service. I might must sidebar just for a little bit. It is so good to see Brother Larry and Sister Linda in the house for weeks they've been out. I'm glad to see you today. It's so good to see Sister Queed in the house. She's been out for amen I, I i i'm praying that all the sickness that has been around be just evicted evicted amen go out to the sea and drown is that fine with you that's fine with me but mobilize means to to organize to be ready 
to activate, to propel, to deploy, to bring together for deployment. Amen. In the kingdom, it is get ready to go. Somebody say, get ready to go. We broke it down into three types of things that were important to being mobilized. The first one was gather, gather. That answers the question why. That's catching the vision. We gather to understand that we're in this mission together. This is not just pastor's mission. It's not just a ministry team leader's mission. This is everybody's mission. We're all called to be disciples and to be disciple makers. That's our calling. So we gather. That answers our why. And then the next part that we used was to be prepare. And that answers the what uh, we are going to be doing. What does God want of us to do? Talking about organizing and preparation and equipping. And did not Sister Gill do a great job Tuesday night talking about prepare and getting ready, being prepared to mobilize? Today we march into the last part of our 37 days of consecration. And now we are at the point where deploy is is to be our thought. It's time to get ready to go. That answers the direction of our mission, the where, the what. Amen. It is time to activate what we have learned. It is time to accept the power of God's presence to release us into our harvest field. It is to be accountable to our, our Lord. It is to be accountable to the Lord of the harvest and then ultimately to go, to go. Reaching for souls is not our job. It is our mission. Because if we think of it like a job, we'll think about it being that we are employed. We are employed, we're workers, getting an hourly wage. But when you are deployed and you're on a mission, militarily speaking, you, you just don't step away from that. You are in the mission all the time. You may have a break. You might get some leave. But in a mission, you are constantly in deployment when you are in the arena of that mission. Amen. We cannot just work like we are employees, but we have got to work like we have been deployed, amen, as, as, as taking forward into formation, into position. For deployed means to move troops into position for military action. In the kingdom, it is to move disciples into action for the purpose of heaven's mission. Somebody say amen. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will cause you to be a soul winner in some form or another. Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. I want to deploy you, the Lord is saying. I want to deploy you to pray. How many know that praying is a part of the mission? 
I want you to pray. I want you to preach. I want you to teach, reach, and fast. I, I, I want you to go forward and baptize and teach Bible studies, make disciples, get ready, and then go, and then grow. We need to, we need to go, and then we need to grow. You and I need to understand that we're not just a disciple in these four walls. We don't just be a, we're not just a follower of Christ in the service and the setting of what we have experienced this morning, but we're to be followers of Christ in our daily life. Lead me, Lord. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Speak to me, O oh God, that I might be deployed for your kingdom. That I might be deployed for your kingdom. A lost world needs a church that is ready to go out and reach them. A lost world is crying for such church. You know what? They are telling us how that major denominations are losing members left and right. And I, I believe it all goes back to the point when we begin to say that we do not believe the Bible, we do not follow Christ, but we're still going to call ourselves whatever that denomination is. If you and I ever lose the mission... If we ever lose the focus of our mission, and that is to go and reach our world, to evangelize, to make disciples, and to be a disciple ourselves, if we ever lose that, then brothers and sisters, we're no better than a Kiwanis club that has prayers and religious activities. A lost world needs a church that is demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The lost world needs a church that has a passion for people, even people they do not necessarily agree with or do not like or do not understand or people that are of a different color or people that have a different issues in their life. We're to reach them in the name of the Lord to the best of our ability. Go. Mark 16, 15, again he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Let's do it. Let's do it. I said, let's do it. Let's believe that God has given to us that authority. We will cast out devils. We will speak with new tongues. Let's do it. Amen. Thou shalt take up serpents. Amen. They, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Amen. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to tell you that it's not talking about a literal snake. Unless it just so happens it's in your, your path of life. or you, you got to pick up a snake. God will help you. But that's talking about demonic forces that we are able to deal with every level of a demonic force. You have more power in you than you realize. If you're baptized in Jesus' name, you have more power in you than every devil is afraid of you. Every devil's afraid of your prayer life. Every devil's afraid of your consecration because you carry the name of Jesus. But the Lord said... The harvest is plenty, but the laborers, the workers are few. I did a little bit of research. Have you noticed a lot of the businesses today that are struggling to find workers? 
Anybody know that? Anybody that, that's got a business of your own know what that is, the struggle to find good help? Well, let me, in, in case you didn't know this, let me share with you what the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has to say about this problem of the shortage of a labor force in the U.S. market today. 50 million workers quit their jobs during the height of pandemic. 50 million quit, all right? Some of them retired, some just quit. 47.8 million quit in 21. And more than 30 million, closer up no doubt to 40 million because at the time of this counting, it was August of 23. By August of 23 of 20, uh, yes, of August of 23, 30 million had quit their job. Add that up. 40, 47, 30. That's how many millions have quit their job in the last three years. I quote, even if every unemployed worker were to fill an open job within their respective industry, there would still be millions of unfulfilled job positions, highlighting the widespread labor shortage, unquote. They also said in this article, we have a lot of jobs, but not enough workers to fill them. If every unemployed person in the country found a job, we would still have over 2 million open jobs in our country. Transfer that concept to the kingdom because the kingdom is much more broad than just the American workforce. It has been going on since the time of Christ. If Christ said it in that day that the harvest is great, then my, what, it, what is it today? Population has grown. Uh, uh, all kinds of issues have come out. Uh, uh, paganism is on the rise. Secularism on the rise. False doctrine on the rise. Then, then what about today? There is a shortage of work in the kingdom. That's why he said, pray. Pray for the, there to be laborers. Amen. Pray for there to be workers. How many of you pray for the lost? I hope you do. And we must. We pray for the backslider, and we must. We pray for the condition of our culture, and we must. We should. But Jesus didn't say, pray for the lost. He didn't say pray for the backslider. He didn't say pray for culture, though we should. He said pray that there would be some laborers that would come to the harvest. Amen. Labor force is needed today. The word labor in the Greek is the word ergates, if I pronounce that correct, ergates meaning to engage in an activity involving considerable expenditure of effort. That's a fancy way, a lot of hard work. A labor here in the Greek means a lot of hard work. It is the root word of English words like ergonomics, literally describing a worker or workman or laborer, someone who is engaged in labor. Someone said, manual labor never bothered me. I can lay right down beside of it and go to sleep. Have you met that person? 
And ergots, this Greek word, is one who exerts something or brings about an effort and an effect through exertion of work, whether mental or physical. Let me just tell you, the labor force has many opportunities. There's many ways that you can work in this harvest. There's many jobs. Not everybody's going to Russia like the Stumbos, but everybody can support them in offering and prayers. Not everybody's going to go to Honduras, amen, like the Hershes, but everybody can support them with offering and prayers. Not everybody is going to be the outspoken teacher or preacher or the one that can go and knock on doors and just invite somebody to church. That may not be all of our ability, but somebody can work the system behind the scenes that employs or deploys those workers into the kingdom. Somebody can organize and get things together. Amen. Somebody can feed the workers. Hello, somebody. We are all called to be laborers. There is no problem with the seed. There is no problem with the soil. There's a shortage of workers. Jesus said, let's pray for the labors. Go your ways, he said. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. I want you to go. Let me just say this. When God chose laborers, when he chose workers, I think it behooves us to stop and see who he chose and how he chose them and who they were. When the Lord began to handpick his 12, his first, his first disciples, the apostles, he picked them Simon Peter or Simon Barjona, Andrew, who was Philip's or Peter's brother. James was the son of Zebedee and, and John's brother. So we had James and John. We've got Philip and Barthan, uh, Bartholomew or Nathaniel as he is called. Thomas, that is known as the twin. He's the doubter of the group. Matthew, or, or, or his name is Levi. He is the, the tax collector. He's the IRS agent that Jesus called. He is pro-Roman government. He works for the Roman government. And I'm telling you, that was not somebody that everybody liked. So you, you got Matthew, you got James, the son of Alphenius. You have Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot. Do you know who Simon the Zealot was? Simon was the actual opposite of Matthew. Simon the Zealot was a, a, an opposition to the Romans and he would fight against the Romans and so it put him and it put Matthew on total opposite spectrums politically and yet God calls them and puts them together and said I want you to work in my harvest I want you to do my harvest so you have Jesus here he didn't call noblemen he didn't call kings he didn't call scholars he didn't call educated leaders amen no one would consider these 12 to be the cream of the crop no one would consider these common fishermen to be worth anything he didn't call people that everybody loved or everybody would would be listening to. He called tax collectors and zealots. Amen. They were common men. Amen. They were common men. They had political issues. They had their imperfections. If you don't think for a moment that the, these, these, these guys had their imperfections, as far as I under, understand and know is that Simon Peter was probably the eldest. He's the only one that we know that was married. 
So he was probably a little bit over 18. The rest of them were probably under 18. You have Jesus who at the age of 30, because that was the age that a rabbi could begin to teach his disciples and his pupils. You thought it was just he was waiting for a particular. Yeah, he was. He was going to fulfill the, the, the office of a teacher and a rabbi. And so he went and he picks those that are, he didn't go to the, the scholars of Jerusalem. He didn't go to the young men that had been sitting under the feet of Gamaliel, but rather he went to the fish where they catch fish. He went to places where there was just common uh, people that had problems and issues. Simon Peter, y'all had problems. He had a temper, didn't he? He had a temper. He was rash. He was bold. He, he made mistakes. He even denied Jesus. Yet the Lord picked him knowing that he would one day call him Satan. How about, how about James and John? They were called the sons of thunder. Why would you call a teenager a son of thunder? Anybody had some sons of thunders living in your house? Everybody, uh, you know, hallelujah, we had one son of thunder living in our house. We say it's ADHD. No, it's just that they're sons of thunder. I wish to goodness that some of this ADHD would go away because I think what they're doing is crippling a lot of young men that are, are needing to be men. Oh, I could preach on that a good while, but I'm not going to get on that hobby horse. It was the sons of thunder's mother that came to Jesus and said, on the behalf of my sons, which one is going to sit on your left hand and which one's going to sit on your right hand? Which one of my sons are you going to put at the top post? So they had a meddling mom. Jesus picked them. A tax collector. A tax collector that nobody liked. Shouldn't we go after popular people? Shouldn't that, that, that labor, shouldn't they be liked if they're going to win folk and influence people? Shouldn't they be the ones that, uh, he didn't, you know. You know what, there was even a group of the disciples one time that said, Lord, there's some people over here preaching in your name and casting out devils. Do you wish that we go kill them? Would you wish that we, 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 we call fire down upon them and destroy them? That's Jesus' disciples. Messed up, imperfect, having issues left and right. Thomas even doubted about the resurrection of the Lord. Amen. Oh, Thomas was messed up. We find that there are issues about all of them. Jesus at one time looked at them and said, do you, do, do you understand scripture? Do you have a clue about the Bible? That's what he's saying. Look it up. He told, he told Peter one time, he said, do you understand the scriptures? Do you understand what this means? Amen. He's the same one that looked at his disciples and said, you go watch and pray for one hour, just one hour. I want you to go watch and pray for one hour with me. And what did they do? They went to sleep. Oh, let's sign these workers up. Let's get these workers. Let's follow these workers because they, they don't have a clue Amen. How about the time that he said to them repeatedly, oh, you generation without faith, you have no faith. You lack faith. You doubters and you unbelievers. Oh, come and work for me. I want you to work for me. 
I want to tell you today, when Jesus chose disciples, he didn't choose those that were pristine and perfect. He didn't choose those that had the degrees on top of degrees and could speak beautifully and had everything under control, but he picked the imperfect. He picked the ones that would be unpickable by the rabbis because that's exactly what they were. At some point in time, you either went into the workforce or you were un, or you went into the school with the rabbis and continued your education. And so these men were not picked by the heads of the religious sect, but the master of the sea, the master of glory steps out into a place where they're fishing and he says, I want you to come and follow me. Matthew, at your tax box, I want you to come and follow me. Uh, Zealot, uh, Simon the Zealot, at your anti-government rally, I want you to come and follow me. You see, Jesus doesn't always go after those ones that we think has got to be perfect and has everything in order. Why? Because God takes imperfect, weak, nothing, foolish-minded, backwood, backwater people and said, that's the kind I'm going to use. That's the kind I'm going to employ in my kingdom. Amen. God uses imperfect laborers. Follow the story of the disciples. You will find that after Pentecost, some things changed with them. Somebody say amen. Peter, who denied the Lord, is now preaching the first message of Pentecost. At one point in time, after the healing of the lame man in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John is standing before the high council of the Hebrews. And it says in Acts 4 and 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. You know what? God takes people like me that stumbles over English, that gets my definitions backwards, who suffers from dyslexia. I will read and my lines begin to switch and I go from one, you may have caught it or not, but I work really hard, but God will take somebody, amen, that hasn't got it all together and he said, you're just the one that I want to use. You've made some mistakes in your life. You have been broken, busted, and disgusted, but you're my worker. I'm going to take you. Well, pastor, I've done this. I'm disqualified. If you stay in your sin, yes. If you stay in your mire, yes. But if you'll ever step out of the miry clay and say oh God I realize I am not perfect I will take a, a, a Moses I will take a Moses who was a murderer and I'll turn him into a deliverer why because God takes imperfect people have you ever noticed anytime we don't understand how God some, uses somebody that we say well he used a a donkey that's such a cop-out. Because we're all disqualified if we look at our imperfections. We are all without qualification because of our messed up life and our issues. We are disqualified. But he takes us and he says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to qualify you. I will empower you. I will take you at your frailties. Amen. Because the Lord says to Paul, he said, it is in your weakness that my strength 
is made perfect. I want to tell you, amen, God uses less than perfect workers, and that includes you. If you'll notice, right in the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew records in 1 and 5, right in the genealogies of Jesus, among King David and the lineage of King David is a woman listed. Rarely is a woman ever listed in the, in the genealogies. But in, in the, this genealogy, you will find that there is a woman listed Hallelujah. I hope I got the right verse. Can you look and put up Matthew uh, 1 and 5, please? Hallelujah. You see, genealogies are for a purpose to showing that, that, that there were families that were there. Because the devil would pervert and said, no, they didn't, but there was. Look, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab... And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Do you see who Salmon married? Does anybody know what Rahab was? What does the Bible call her? Rahab the harlot. Yet the Lord says, I'm going to show you that I will take imperfect people and I'll put them in my process and I'll make them a part of the process because I will take imperfect people, I will take broken people, I will take messed up people, and if I can get them to believe in the scarlet cord of my love and mercy, if I'll get them to stay put in the place that I've called them, I want to tell you, God can take those that are of the worst Make something good out of them. I've watched it time and time again. Some of the most scoundrels in the youth group become the preachers and the evangelist of the, of the kingdom of God. When God looked at Simon Peter, he didn't see a hot-headed, flawed fisherman. He saw his apostolic foundation. <laughs> Hallelujah. How, how about this? We look, at, we look at these scriptures and we look at these people in the Bible as if everything is wonderful with them. Everything that they have. There's no limitations. There's no issues. All of them, all the way back to the beginning. Would you know Noah got drunk and messed up his whole family? Noah got drunk. Yeah, we, 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 we wouldn't want him to be an apostolic leader, would we? Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Throw out the old people. You can't work in the kingdom because you're too old. You can't be a, la a, a, a laborer in the harvest. You're too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. He probably had ADHD. He was a daydreamer. Amen. You, you look at Jacob. How about Jacob? Anybody want to sign up Jacob and hire Jacob? Conniving, liar, huckster, trick you out of your shoes. You give him five and he'll make you want to give him 500. He, he, he's he's a, a scoundrel. Amen. Yet the Bible says 
that Jacob, that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Flawed individuals with their problems. And yet God says, I will make them a laborer in my kingdom. How about this? Leah was ugly. I don't have the looks. I don't have the personality. I don't have the ability. I, nobody's going to look at me and think, oh, well, there you want. No, Leah was ugly and God used her. Lord, I hope I'm not telling off on Leah in some way, making her feel bad right now. But Leah was, uh, how, how about Joseph? He was an abused victim. He was abused victim. Amen. But God said, I'll use you. How about Moses? I already talked about him being a, a murderer. And yet God brought him out. Not a one of these stayed a murderer. Not a one of these stayed a, 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 a harlot. Amen. They come out, but that's where they were. They, were. they were problems. But when you look at Moses, Moses had a stuttering problem. I want you to go to speak for me. Uh, Lord, have you heard me try to... Talk when I get nervous. Well, pastor, I can't speak. I can't say anything. Well, God used Moses. He can use you. Somebody say amen. Gideon was a scaredy cat. Gideon was afraid. He's hiding out from the enemy. He was afraid. And yet the Lord said, I see you as a mighty man of valor. I see you as a mighty man of valor. <clears throat> Amen. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. We would write him off. First of all, you got to know the context of why he had long hair, but also he was a womanizer, and we would say, you're not worthy to be a part of anything because you don't fit our mold. You don't fit what we think you ought to be. But where is he in Hebrews chapter 11? He is listed in the face hall of fame. So in the last of his days, all of his womanizing, all of the issues, I believe in a prayer meeting between the two pillars, he's getting right with God. I believe that he's got right with God at the grind mill, at the grist mill. Amen. What are you saying? I'm saying God uses imperfect people to do great, wonderful things. didn't stay a womanizer. When you look at others, you see in Scripture, there were some that had, had, had issues and limitations. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair, and he was a murderer as well. But it was David that wrote, Oh, God, would you wash me? Lord, would you cleanse me? I don't want to stay this way. I'm telling you, you may have made some major mistakes in your life. Get out of it. Be redeemed. Amen. And go on and say, Lord, you'll use me. If you'll use me, Lord, I'll do what I can. You may not be able to fulfill a position uh, that requires certain qualifications in ministry, but I want to tell you, everybody can be a laborer. When you study scripture, you will find that Elijah was suicidal. Lord, kill me. Yet God used him. Here's one that blows my mind. You go back and you'll have to read this for yourself. Isaiah preached without a stitch of clothes on. 
That's a good Bible study pastor needs to go into. Jonah ran from God. Let's reject him. No, he got in a fish prepared by God that regurgitated him back in his mission field. How many of you want to go through that process? I say let's obey the calling now. Let's go do the calling now so we don't have to do a big fish uh, experience and, and come out looking like a sardine. Amen. We need to make sure that we realize that if we make a mistake, let's correct it and let's get back on the path. Somebody say amen. amen. Naomi was a widow. God used her. John the Baptist was weird. Weird. You know what? Let me just stop here. I'm going to get very, very uh, close to being done. There are people that I know that have the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And it is evident that it's a gift. Because without it, they're as dumb as a bag of rocks. I'm going to include myself in that. I've only graduated from high school. I went to one year to Bible college. And I've been going to school. I'm still going to school right now. You see, God can take those of us that are the weakest and the frailest and perhaps never, ever measuring up to the perfection level of some folks. But the Lord said... That's the kind of worker I want. I, he picked 12 of them so that you and I would understand that God says, I'll take you and I will use you. John the Baptist, you're weird, but I will. I mean, anybody eating locusts and wild honey, wearing camel skin, living in the desert, living in the caves, living out every now and then coming out. That's one crazy cookie right there. But the Lord said, I'm going to tell you no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Martha had a worrying problem. Jesus used her. The Samaritan woman was divorced, married five times, and shacked up with another man. Yet the Lord said, she's a great missionary. She's going back to the field. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. Look it up. How about this one? Lazarus was dead. Not a one of us dead yet. The Lord said, I want Lazarus to be alive because I got some more things for him to do. Lazarus, come forth. I want to tell you today, and I, and I, I tried to be a little humorous because we all have little edges when it comes to our imperfections. We don't like them pointed out, do we? We don't like our frailties pointed out and our limitations pointed out. But I'm pointing them out today because Jesus said, that's the kind of people that I call imperfect. We're the ones that tend to put perfection issues on people. But he says, I want you to be my follower, disciple maker, and I want to deploy you in the kingdom of God. Stand with me, please.
The enemy will say to you, you're to this, you're to that, you're this, you're that, you've done this. But you need to quote scripture back to him and say, but such were some of you. But I've been changed. I have been changed. Lord, right now, help us to realize the harvest is great, but the laborers, the laborers don't have to be perfect. They just got to get deployed. Hallelujah. Anybody would just, just lift up your hand today and say, Pastor, I want to work in the kingdom of God. Whatever way that looks like, I'll run a camera. I'll teach a Sunday school class. I'll I, I sing in the choir, Pastor. I'll do whatever I can. Amen. I, I, it won't be too long until we'll do the Acts forums again. I love my church forums where you, where you can sign up to do things in the kingdom of God. Lord, whatever you want me to do. Lord, my limitations seem to withdraw me. I, I feel like I'm not acceptable. I feel like I can't do anything. Well, if God could use Peter, whom he called Satan, what can he do with you and me and our weakness and our frailties? Let's look at Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.